Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats The Office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with nobody. Nobody. I am here on my own. I'm going solo for the first time. I've kicked them all out, the band. I want to be taken seriously. I feel that my opinion is better than everybody else. So I'm going to go at this alone. Just kidding, of course. I am um, currently going it alone because um, we had a bit of a cancellation tonight. Matt's not here because he's having a baby, which is wonderful. Um, and I thought that we can't go another week without a podcast. So I thought, why not give it a go on my own? So I've got myself a lovely little script. Um, this is the second attempt that I've had at doing this opening. Um, if you've ever done something like this, you feel very self-conscious, especially if there's six people um, in the office behind you wondering what the fuck you're doing and who you're talking to. Um, so I've got um, a little picture of Robert Perez sitting on my screen. So Robert, I will be talking to you through this podcast. Um, you can remain silent and that is absolutely fine. Um, and I have uh, a wonderful script as well that I'm going to run through. So I don't know how long this will last. If you think this is shy, I will never do it again. But hey, like free content, why not? So today we've got some we've got some exciting things to talk about. Um, we've been on an incredible run, 16 games uh, without losing, which is quite unbelievable considering the terrible start we had to the season. So I want to go through what I've enjoyed about that, um, what I think... Arsenal are struggling with because it hasn't all been um, as rosy as, as some fans would have you believe. 
I want to talk about some of the squad issues um, that I think uh, are going to be important as the season plays out and, uh, you know, talk about the, the lack of balance that we're having. Um, I'm also going to talk about uh, Meza Ozil. Nothing quite triggers Arsenal fans like a, a passionate defence, either for or against uh, the, the, the creative enigma. Um, is, is the German international. His agents come out today uh, with a weird staunch defence of, of his client, uh, like a, a sort of odd justification. Um, I, I, I liken the story almost to Arsene Wenger coming out every December and leaking stories about PSG's interests in, in his services. So we'll talk about that, try and get under the skin there. And then um, we want to talk about poor Danny Welbeck Injured uh, again. This one looks super, super serious. He's had two surgeries on his ankle already. Uh, the the added uh, moral dilemma that we're facing is that his deal is up in June, so he'll have nowhere to train. He'll be a big risk for any other club. Um, so you know, what do you do? Like, no club has had as many serious injuries as Arsenal, um, well, not not that I know of, um, and there's always like a slight moral dilemma there, like do you give them an additional deal, like they put their body on the line for you, or do you say, hey, there's a, it's a millionaire footballer, like hopefully they've been saving those pennies um, for the rainy day. Anyway, I will crack onto those issues in the next part. So I, th- I think since the last time we came on, which was, I don't know, like a month, five weeks ago, we've gone on quite an incredible run, a very unexpected run. So the big question um, amongst Arsenal fans is like, you know, what, what is the reality of this situation? Like, Are we competing for top four this season? Um, are we going to sit outside that? I'm going to have to work our way into the Champions League through the back door with the Europa League. Um, like, how good are we compared to Spurs? Like, what are the chances of United or Everton challenging us um, this season? And I think they're all um, very good questions. Like, we've gone on a, a 16 game unbeaten run, and on the face of it, that looks quite incredible. Um, We'd won 12 games in a row since then. It hasn't been um, quite as impressive. We've unfortunately drawn um, three games in a row. And I think when you put um, those um, results back to back, they start to look bad. It starts to look like there's a a problem coming. Um, But I think that that's a a little bit unfair. I think uh, drawing to um, Liverpool, um, even if it's at home, is a fantastic result. Um, the performance was exceptional. We went a, a goal down, um, like very early on, as we seem to have done in well, in our last four um, Premier League games. But we fought back, and then in the second half, like I think we had the better of Liverpool, and um, with a little bit of luck and some better finishing, we definitely could have taken more from that game and I would hope that um, maybe in into next year of the Emery tenure when he's got more of the players that he wants uh, and the players that he has understand his ideas a little bit better will be more equipped um, to really you know, take that game down um, with a with a bit more edge um, and a bit more aggression 
Um, but overall, like you know, taking a point against a team that is definitely going to challenge for the league this season, uh, like shouldn't really be frowned upon. I think Arsenal fans um, get a little bit stuck up. You know, we should be travelling, we, we should be challenging for the title. It's like, come on, let's let's be let's be realistic. Let's look at the amount of money these teams have spent. Look at the, the amount of attention their owners have showered upon them. Uh, like with coaches, with staff, with science. You know, the, 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 these are clubs run by groups of people. Um, Arsenal has been run by one man for the last 10 years. I think the, the the sporting game, again, like you've got to give it some some context. You've got to like have the full picture. Um, we're top of our group. Uh, we made nine changes um, for the game. We played a lot of the fringe players. We didn't concede a shot on target over like the, the, the two legs that we've had against Sporting. And unfortunately, um, our finishing wasn't good and we didn't put, put in a, a particularly inspired performance and we came away with a point. But like if you look at that in the context of the Europa League, does it really matter? Are we going to finish outside the top two? Will we? Um, no. Will we qualify um, first? Like Extremely likely, considering the quality of games that we've got coming up. And then you've got the Wolves game. Now... You can frame the Wolves game in one of two ways. You can say Arsenal drew at home to a newly promoted Wolves, which sounds really bad, or you can be realistic about Wolves. And, you know, they're, they're a team that have spent a lot of money. Um, they've got a super agent running the show over there. They've got a very good manager. They play um, a you know, pretty exciting, daring game of football. They certainly came to play us. Um, at the Emirates and they they took a point off Manchester City so whilst it's not ideal um, we came back from a goal down again Um, the manager recognized uh, the issues that he had at the start of the game you know he he pulled a Wobi off uh, um, at half time um, like a substitute uh, Mkhitaryan made the difference in the end with a a cross that uh, ghosted about 10 players to to slip in at the back post and arguably that was the worst performance of the season under Emery and if you agree with me that that was the worst performance of the season then it's very difficult to say that taking a point from that um, is a bad situation like it's 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 not winning. It's not winning ugly because we didn't win, but it's it's taking something out of uh, an extremely bad situation. So I think that a little bit of context is needed. I, I think maybe some of the panic that's setting in with Arsenal fans is that um, Spurs keep on winning, and we're going to play them in a in a few weeks, and everybody knows that November's aren't particularly good for Arsenal, and over the last. 10 seasons, generally, uh, December's haven't been uh, particularly good to us. Arsene Wenger has always had a habit of overplaying players, overtraining them, um, and having either a good or a bad start um, to the early season. You know, if it's a good start, Wenger typically wanted to make sure he played the same players over and over again. And then we get to December, they'd all get injured because they'd be over-fatigued. Or we'd have a terrible start and to get out of that rut, Arsene Wenger would play his favourite players over and over again. So we'd arrive at December and players would be fatigued and then we'd be in all sorts of trouble. So I don't think there's too much to worry about right now. I think we're, I think we're on target. 
Um, you know, we're where we want to be. I don't think anybody could have imagined going 16 games unbeaten this early on in Emery's tenure. So I think it's a, a massive positive. Um, some, some other things that I want to talk about that I've, I've really enjoyed so far, and despite not being overly enamoured with the Emery signing, like, I've got to give him credit. Like, he's, he's, he's winning hearts and minds. He's definitely um, changed my opinion. He's, he's certainly got a plan. I love the, the mentality. I think, you know, a, a, an obvious negative is that we keep on conceding first and having shocking first halves. But, you know, the, 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 the flip side to that coin is that we've been coming back a lot. We've been turning games around. Um, and, and, and that says two things to me. Firstly, it says that we've got a manager who can react to a plan not going well. Like, he's not he's not too arrogant um, to admit when he's wrong. Um, it's just a shame that he seems to be wrong in almost every single game that we've played so far with his starting 11 or the way that he's set the team up. Um, and then the second part is that definitely in the last two or three years, under Arsene Wenger, you didn't feel like the players wanted it. You didn't really feel like they were keen to impress. Um, and I don't think you're getting that under Emery. I, I feel like everybody is is feeling the, the pressure. There's certainly competition in the side. And players are going out for those second halves like their position in the starting eleven depends on it. So there's a there's a better mentality throughout the squad. Like how long that will last, um, who knows? Like it's clear that there's um, there's something going wrong because Emery's not getting it right from the start. But I think the hope, certainly from the people that want to see Emery succeed, is that every game we go on is another game where players um, are learning the ideas and uh, like uh, begin to to settle into some sort of like Emery-like rhythm. So the fact that we've had a lot of luck um, over the first three months is fantastic because you hope that once the luck runs out, uh, muscle memory kicks in and players know how to play and they're more um, attuned to switching things up um, during the game or just starting well and destroying teams early on and then sitting back. I think that it would be brilliant if the back half of the year was synonymous with great starts and then players can um, like slow it down a little bit in the second half when they've won the games to conserve energy and then we can have a real good run at top four. Um, and, you know, like actual luck on our side isn't something that has really followed us over the last um, few years. If anything, we've had bad luck um, with injuries, uh, with decisions, um, with, with, with lots of things that have gone on um, around the club. So um, for Emery to, to be having the luck, like I would say that that's a positive thing. Um, a lot of people would say that luck luck is earned. Um, like the harder you work, the the the, the luckier you get. Uh, type notions. So I don't think that we should um, necessarily be frowning upon luck. Um, how, how many times over the years have we um, looked on at United scoring goals in the last minute or City scoring goals in the last minute? It feels lucky, but I think if you're working hard and you have a good mentality, luck tends to follow you around. So let's hope that that stays on as the season um, as the season progresses. I think some of the areas that people keep on highlighting um, that we're struggling with is obviously the counter to luck being on your side is that luck um, runs out. And I know the people that read Le Grove generally 
don't like the XG stats. Part of me wonders whether, because a lot of people that follow the Grove are desperate uh, for Emery to succeed, to prove out the um, the misgivings we had with Arsene Wenger were in fact completely right. And if you put somebody in who's half competent, um, they're going to do a good job. And for people to see that the part of our success so far this season has been predicated on luck, like it, it, it's jarring because it doesn't feel scientific. But I, I, I'm my warming to the XG stat, um, what expected, whatever, is that it puts a little bit of science behind luck and it gives you um, a little bit more context over a larger sample size of how well you're actually doing. And like from a coaching perspective, it gives you the opportunity to work on your weaknesses, whether that's um, th- some of the weaknesses that Arsenal have at the moment is we're not creating enough chances um, but the positive is that those chances that we are creating, we're being incredibly clinical with. Um, the bigger concern is in defence. Like we're getting lucky in defence because we're conceding a lot of goal-worthy chances. But you know, we've had Petr Cech keeping us in the game. Like Balagay reported a few weeks ago that the Arsenal team put a lot of their points down to Cech. And he picked up an injury. And then luckily Leno has, has grown into his role. I mean, it's going to be impossible for... Um, check to keep him out of the game unless something cataclysmic happens over the next few weeks. But it's been very exciting to have a goalkeeper uh, who is keeping unexpected shots out of the net with unbelievable saves, but also seeing what uh, seeing what a, a real sweeper keeper brings to the team, the way that he creates space, the way that he opens up the play, the way that he's off his line really, really quick, that he's alert, like that freshness and that youth um, that we're seeing in Leno has been an absolute joy to watch. But back to the the expected points um, scenario that's going on with Arsenal at the moment. So currently we're we're sitting in a, a very healthy uh, position. Like we're we're fifth in the league, the top four, like City at the top, followed by Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, and then Arsenal is expected. Like that's where. Um, that's that's where you would expect the teams uh, to be for the rest of the season. There's no there's no real um, shocks in 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 the top six really outside Manchester United sitting um, in in eighth at the moment. But the reality is that from fifth to second is only six points from fifth to eighth, which is Arsenal to United. There's only four points. Um, but then if you dig into um, expected points, that's where it starts to to get interesting for me because we're not doing very well um, on expected points. Um, we are currently 11th in the table. Um, that's um, And the most worrying part of that is that we sit behind Spurs. You know, we sit behind Spurs in the table, but we also sit behind Wolves. Um, we sit behind Leicester. We sit behind Everton and like the big, 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 big worry for me is that we sit behind United. Um, The reason United worry me is I I feel that they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And Jose Mourinho is an expert, uh, (laughs) Man United at least, doing the bare minimum to survive in his job. I feel like he has better players to work with at the moment. I feel like... He's got more winning experience um, than Emery. Um, and I think 
he's obviously been with his squad for longer. Like they're used to getting into top four. So it's it's not a major concern, but I think you're dreaming if you don't think that these expected points, uh, statistics that come hand in hand with expected goals, like we're scoring more than you would expect. Um, the whole team has been incredibly clinical this season. That's a positive, but at some point the luck runs out and then all of a sudden you're not as clinical as you were before. Maybe we'll get around that because we've got two of the deadliest strikers in Europe. Like You give them an inch and they'll take a goal. Um, but it has to be said, Arsenal don't appear to be creating a lot of quality chances. It was it was very, very tough watching us um, against Wolves um, at the weekend. Uh, I think we had three shots on target all game. And considering our weighty um, advantage when it came to possession, um, that that was quite a disappointing return. And then Wolves on the other side had more attempts on goal and more on target. They had they had five on target. And um, if, it, if it wasn't for a huge dollop of luck, we easily could have lost that um, three or four one. So, you know, overall, we're in a good position when it comes to points. Um, it's There's nothing to be sniffed at um, when you're winning points that you shouldn't have. Like that's the sign of, of a good team. Um, that has good players. I think the concern for Emery is that he needs to start improving um, a, a number of aspects. Like we need to stop being so porous at the back. It was in, it's been incredibly easy for teams to to get in over the top. Um, I, I think we need to work out a way of freeing Meza Özil or like getting him into games because I, I think he's certainly struggled. Um, to make a, 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 a normal Meza Ozil early half of the season impact. Like it's not been particularly uh, Im- impressive. Um, so I, I think there have been some difficulties, no doubt. I think there's also uh, a group of fans that do seem utterly, utterly desperate for this all to go wrong. And the sad part about it is it is it does seem to be the fans who spent the last 10 years making excuses for us in Wenger. And I, I find that really disappointing. Like, you you know, you had, you, you battled something that wasn't there. You used nostalgia, you used fandom, you used crap statistics, you used the, the weight of other clubs spending, which on the face of it is... Uh, is a fair thing to point out like petro dollars and oligarch dollars are a difficult thing to fight against but it was it's still impossible to not focus on the decline of the squad the decline of the mentality the reframing of success like Wenger is Wenger is gone he's in the past like this this like I'd almost describe it as you know like the these fans who didn't want to admit that there was a problem for so long. Now, all of a sudden, seem to be the most woke. Uh, like, And I mean that in footballing terms. But now, like, we're talking about video analysis. And now we're talking about tactics. And now we're, we're like, critiquing all of the smallest, like, minor details. And it's like, where was that? Where was that 10 years ago 
when everybody was giving Arsene Wenger until January and then giving him the judge me in May treatment. Like I, I, I find it absurd. Like I, I am, was not a huge fan of the signing of Emery, but I was a fan of something different, something new, something exciting. This like, like I, I, everybody has the right to be critical. And I'm not saying you don't have the right to be critical, but there's something like deeply disturbing and troubling about the fans that had nothing to say, like nothing to say, complete enablers of the mediocrity that like swamped Arsenal over the last 10 years. And then all of a sudden they've got an opinion and all of a sudden they don't see what they didn't see what's different. And Arsenal was shit. And you know, you see it in the comments section of my blog, like we drew against wolves at the weekend and then people are straight on there saying it's the same old shit. It's the same old shit. And it's, it's, it's really not. It's really not. And I also think there needs to be some fucking like understanding of the job Emery has had to come in and do. Uh, Arsenal wasted hideous amounts of money on average players. There's been no education for any of them. Um, there's uh, like a complete imbalance of, of wages. Um, like the... They've had to root out like the entire backroom team of people that have just been digging their heels in for a year. Like Emery's dealing with uh, an exiting CEO. He's having to work out how to work with Sven. He's having to learn his squad. Like at the start of the season, he thought Aaron Ramsey was going to be the star and he was going to be able to build a team around him. He quickly realized that actually that was probably not the case and he certainly wasn't going to pay him 300k a week. So he's had the disruption um, there. I I think the whole of the backroom team have maybe misjudged the physicality of the Premier League. And I I think, you know, I'm always like ready to blame people, but you know, you come into any new job. Like I moved countries into a, a new market in advertising. I had to learn a completely new group of people that I had no fucking clue about. Um, like you think America is like one homogenous being, but like every state is like a different country. Like it took me a year to understand the realities of the market I was in. So to expect Sven, Raul and Emery to, to come in and just get it straight away. Like I always th- you know, I think that that was unrealistic because uh, and they've made clear mistakes. I, I don't think um, I don't think Sven quite underst- understood the quality of the Premier League. Like Mikatarin, maybe wasn't a great signing. You know, like he's he was bossing it in the Bundesliga, but he's failed at United, and he doesn't look good at Arsenal. Um, I, I think the. Lick Steiner from a squad perspective, like fantastic. Like you've got this leader, like this this gritty, aggressive, nasty player who knows all the dark arts. But from a, a physical perspective, he said that he was like a 28-year-old, but the reality is he certainly is not. He's looked slow, he's looked sluggish, and he's already injured. So now we've got this 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 huge problem in defense where nobody's ever fit. And you know, it's, it's, it's so bad in defense at the moment that Carl fucking Jenkinson is getting a performance, which is phenomenal for him. And everyone wants to see an Arsenal fan who's not, who's not the most talented footballer getting a game in the Europa League. But like, it's, it's a real worry. It's a real worry. So it's going to take everybody at least 18 months to really get into the mix of things. So when you frame Arsenal's 16-game unbeaten run through that lens, 
you can only applaud Emery. You can only applaud his team. Like he is shooting above and beyond. Could it all go wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he, 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 he trains his players a lot. He's got them in, uh, you know, all the time. Like he might get to December and he might have an absolute car crash. He might have the worst injury pile up in 10 years, but we have to judge it one game at a time. Have we seen that yet? No. Have we seen a slowdown on the pitch? No. Like, are we seeing like players picking up injuries? It seems that it's starting to happen that, but you can't blame Danny, Danny Wilbeck's injury on uh, like fatigue. You can't really blame Lick Steiner's injury on fatigue. It's probably more of an age thing. So, you know, let's see where the season goes. Let's judge it um, next year. But, you know, as much as, um, as much as, again, I say that, you know, he wasn't my first choice. Like this is a very, very, very competent manager. This is somebody who cares about the details. This is someone who seems very passionate about proving himself. Like he didn't have a good time at PSG. Like let him, let him reignite this squad. Let's, let's get excited about it. Let's stop being misery guts. Let's stop, you know, like going too hard at the XG stats, going too hard about the stars. Like he's learning, you know, with the rest of the club. And I feel like, you know, we're learning how to have realistic expectations again. And I think that that's super exciting. So I think that, I think that we can also talk about, um, you know, some of the squad issues. I kind of like briefly, um, briefly touched on the concerns that I've had, but, um, but, we have desperate problems at left back. Montreal is has picked up quite a few injuries so far this season. Um, you forget that these players age, and he definitely needs replacing at some point. I'm not quite sure Kalasanak has the quality needed to cement that place for himself moving forward at right back. Bellerin uh, has had a great season. His end product has improved. I think he's getting better at defending. Um, but you fear that he's due a big injury at some point. The guy's an absolute um, machine. But if he gets injured, then we're down to Licksteiner. And Licksteiner is not a long-term solution at right back. Carl Jenkinson certainly isn't a long-term solution at right back. Um, uh, maybe um, Maitland-Niles is, uh, like, who knows, but we've, we've got some work to do at centre-back, that's for sure. And then we've got, like, some, uh, like, you know, con- continuing, like, uh, uh, across the, the lack of balance that we have in the squad, it's quite apparent that Aubameyang is not a left-sided midfielder. He's wasted there. He's one of the deadliest strikers in Europe. Um, I think his attitude has been absolutely spot-on. He seems to really enjoy um, just playing and just being on the pitch and being part of it. But ideally, like, he should be playing through the middle, but um, you can't really can't really balance him in a two with, uh, with Lacazette, certainly not against good teams. And then just in general, like, having real authentic width, we don't seem to have it. Um, Iwobi, like, you feel like he, he'd want to be, like, a, a number 10. Like, he's good at coming off the bench. Like, he joins um, the midfield and the tack really nicely like he's got some great feet occasionally but he seems to have progressed over the last few games and I think it was certainly a a rebuke um at the weekend getting yanked off after 45 minutes isn't a positive but he really did have uh you know quite a dire game out there so we know that he's young we know that it's going to take a while for him to adapt it's still 
up in the air of whether he truly is the Nigerian Messi. We'd all love him to be, but there's definitely some work to be done in his game. So, uh, and then you've you've got other imbalances. Like you've got a hundred and seventy thousand pound a week player in Mkhitaryan, and he just hasn't looked the real deal. I think that sometimes that can cause problems in the squad. Like this guy's earning an absolute fortune and he's not really delivering. I know that he scored a goal at the weekend, but like, come on, like be be real here. Like that wasn't a, um, that wasn't the sort of goal that you expecting from a player that good. I'll take it, obviously, but like he needs to be delivering more. Um, he needs to get back to what he was at Dortmund. But is that is that even possible in this setup? And then you've got Aaron Ramsey, like well, arguably one of our star performers last season. He's stuck on the bench. He's a, whatever price range you think he was, we were nearly offering him a 300 grand a week contract. So we've got this star player who's going to sit on the bench for the next seven months when really that sort of money should be um, put towards somebody that can offer something, somebody that we can trust in there. So Emery's got a lot of problems and he's got a lot of headaches in the squad. And, you know, the the slight concern is that that's all going to come unstuck at some point but again like we've just got to ride it out and I know that the club is is out there telling everybody that they're not going to purchase in January but it's hard to see how we can't how, how we won't purchase in January I think that if it, but again I guess the concern is that you don't want to be picking up average players and then you're lumbered with them on monster five-year deals and you can't shake them off like We've been doing quite a good job over the last few years getting rid of um, players that we didn't want. We don't want to start racking them up like with short-term thinking. And then that leads you to the the idea of like, do we use this season as a as a season to bed in players? Like, would you bring Reese Nelson back um, into the fold? Like he's having an absolute stormer of a season um, in Hoffenheim. Um, but, you know, He's on a run. Do you want to break that? Like he's getting a lot of experience and an incredible coach. So maybe you don't want to do that. We've got um, Eddie uh, Eddie Enketia, uh, who looks a fantastic prospect. The manager says that he's going to give him a go. Like that's all well and good, but if he doesn't deliver, you can find yourself in trouble. But like, what's the harm? I, you know, I say like if if we do truly believe in him. Um, like we've got to give him a go, and if we find out that he's shit, um, at least that's two extra seasons that we don't have to worry about that we can either send him out on loan next season or sell him but I've got a lot of faith in him he looks like he wants to belong at the highest level and I know that we've had players like that before Nicholas Bedner who is now in prison springs to mind um, but you've got to give young players a try and I know that you know, Emery definitely promised the club that he would um, look to develop players, look to bring them through, and you know I couldn't think of a better manager um, to to do that at the moment. So let's let's see where that goes. Um, but there is definitely a lack of balance, and that's definitely um, like a valid concern of people. But we are where we are, and, and we didn't buy our way out of the shit in the summer, unfortunately, because we are all about the self-sustaining model. So, I don't even know whether I particularly want to talk about this, but I just feel like it's fucking Mesut Ozil, always in the press, whinging about something. Um, and I, I don't mean to be you know, insensitive. I'm talking about Arsenal in particular, but it just feels like it's one thing after another with Mesut Ozil. It's, God, it's like the never-ending, boring story of, of, of Mesut Ozil. Now, so the, the current story doing the rounds, James Olley from the Evening Standard, um, spoke to Meza Erzl's agent, Dr. Erkut Sogut, 
So the quote goes a little bit like this. We had some really big offers from Asia. There were some crazy offers. But for Meza, money was by no means the biggest factor. Money is definitely one important thing to consider, but people must remember that footballing ability is just one aspect of a contract negotiation. The commercial impact of a footballer is crucial nowadays. It came down to what was in his heart. We were free to sign with other clubs, and in the end, Mesut loves Arsenal. I put everything to him, and he just said, this is my home, I want to be here. What a beautiful story, what a beautiful story. So, um, I don't really understand why Mesut's agent has to come out. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a very Trumpian character. Like he, he's a very protective um, and he's always looking to defend his client, um, which, which is commendable. But I, I almost feel like when, when he does this, it makes things worse. Like it draws, uh, like it, it, it draws the lines in the sand. It's very much like the, the political divide over here in America, but between the Republicans and the Democrats, nobody wants to hear the other side of the story. You know, the, 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 the Meza fanboys, see him as the greatest creative player to ever have graced uh, the Premier League, the world. Like, he's up there with Messi. And then there's the Arsenal fans who are more realistic. It's a sublime talent, but he's overpaid, he's overrated, and he doesn't deliver often enough. And the truth is somewhere in between, as it as it always is um, with these things. But I, I, I would... I, I was, you know, speaking to to Dan, um, who comes on the podcast and comments on on the blog earlier, and you know, he didn't understand where the critique this season has been has been coming from, and I, I, I completely disagree. I have people in my WhatsApp group asking questions like, "Is it is it over for for Meza Özil? Has he has he retired from the game?" Because some of his performance have certainly um, alluded to that, and that's not just this season. That was definitely the tail end of last season, and actually the second half of most seasons where he's traditionally underperformed. Um, you know, this is a this is a guy who's um, like pulled more sickies. Um, than most people would dare to in their own jobs. Um, you know, we've got uh, 23rd of August 2018, 20th of April 2018, 18th of February, 25th of November last year, 1st of March last year. Like, it's a consistent theme. Like, the guy um, doesn't turn up for, like, tough away games. He calls in sick all the time. He can drop a worldie against a team like Leicester and you think, my God, this player, this is sublime. This is the most spectacular thing that I've ever seen. But for £350,000 a week, fans are expecting to see that more regularly. So I think uh, Mezzet's agent probably has a Twitter account and he's probably reading the vibe across the blog and he's come out to basically tell the Arsenal fans, you don't deserve Mezzet. He, this is a guy that loves the club deeply and he is here because of the love. And I think that that's for a number of reasons. Firstly, I think he's, Meza's had a poor start to the season. Um, he's been pulled off early uh, in games. He's played out on the right. Um, he's now dropped in in a number 10 role. I don't think he's, he's controlling the matches like you would normally expect from a player of that talent. And I think the biggest concern is that tactically... Um, it's very difficult to have uh, an old-fashioned number 10. Like, no other club in Europe adopts a number 10 that can't defend. 
um, managers, as someone pointed out to me earlier, like managers like um, Conte and Valverde can get the most out of their creative players and get them to do the additional bits. Like, why should Meza Ozil get a free pass? Uh, because he's our biggest commercial asset at Arsenal. And that's really what um, Dr. Erker is saying, quite literally. You know, the commercial impact of a footballer is crucial. And it's there's no doubt that Ozil is our biggest um, and most commercially viable player. But that doesn't help me. Does it help Arsenal's commercial revenue? Does, maybe. Does it, like, we've been selling out Arsenal's stadium for 30, 40 years. I don't, I don't think he's helping to get fans into the stadium. If anything, you know, some of his performances turn them off. Um, and then I think that there's... Uh, other bits that maybe his agent's picking up on. There's been a lot of questions over Ozil's value compared to Ramsey. Again, if you look at it from a commercial perspective, uh, it's difficult to argue that Ozil deserved a deal instead of Ramsey. But um, if you look at it from a playing perspective, Aaron Ramsey was a very influential player for Arsenal last season in a shit season where we did absolutely nothing. So again, it's very difficult to make these comparisons. But you would have thought an Aaron Ramsey-like player would be better for an Emery system. But Ivan Gazidis pulled the trigger on a £350,000 a week deal. I would say that was a self-serving decision I would say that that was all about Ivan Gazidis. And like I truly do believe that if you'd had Sven, Raul and Emery all in a room when that deal was inked, or not inked, like just suggested, I think they would have said it would probably be better for us to let Mezek leave on a on a free transfer like nobody's tried nobody tried to buy him the summer before um he signed his deal no one tried to sign him in january there wasn't a three hundred and fifty thousand pound a week deal at a club in europe that was bigger than arsenal because i'm pretty sure that if there was meza would have taken that and like we know that from some of the um, press releases in and around the time. Manchester United interested, Barcelona interested. There, there were definitely people trying to shake up interest there, but it never came. And that tells you something, in my opinion. Um, so I like Meza Ozil. Like, he is a sublime talent, but did we make a mistake giving him a £350,000 a week deal? Absolutely, we did. That was a very, very bad piece of business. That's like, that's that's five Terreras right there. Like, don't tell me that we couldn't have found better value for that money. Could you have like? Could you find better value for that money if Özil played like he did against Leicester every week? Absolutely not. But we haven't seen that sort of consistency in in what like his whole career. Like, we get a, a great three months, then he gets tired in the second half of the season, then he goes off the ball, or he just goes off the ball because he's not really interested and he doesn't particularly give a fuck. And I, I, I Arsene Wenger said something in the press a few weeks ago uh, that a lot of people disagree with. He said football's going to have to change because fans follow players from club to club. I, I, I was getting shit on Twitter today for critiquing uh, Meza Ozil by a guy who had in his bio that he supported Arsenal and Barcelona. So there's definitely an element of that in the fanboy nature um, that follows Meza Ozil uh, around i don't really know where i was going uh, i don't really know where i was going with that point but 
I don't know. Like, I, I think if, if you polled Arsenal fans that actually went to the games, actually cared about the club on a full-time basis, uh, I'm not sure that you would have great favourability ratings when it came to Ozil. Now, maybe that will change as the season goes on, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like Mesut took the deal. He's done. He likes living in London. He gets his anonymity. He gets his mega deal. He's won a World Cup. He's won everything. Like, doesn't really need to do anything else. I'd love to think that was different. Maybe we'll come back at the end of the season. Maybe I will have egg all over my face. But you know what? If I've got egg all over my face at the end of the season, that means that we've done something amazing because an informed mesit takes us to top four, in my personal opinion. So back anyway. So I did some number crunching, and you know, you know what's interesting about Danny Welbeck is I always feel like at the start of every season I'm like, you know what, it's going to be Danny's year. He's in his second year. It's going to be Danny's year. And then I looked at the numbers. I was like, shit, he's been with us for five years. It's like veteran uh, amount of time there. He's you know he's halfway to a halfway to a testimonial. Anyway, so looking up the numbers, five years. He's uh, made around 132 appearances for us. So, um, first of all, let's frame up this injury because it's, you know, super sad. You know, fell over, his ankle's gone every which way. He's had to have like two operations on his ankle. The big talking point amongst people, particularly on my blog, is do you give him a new deal? Like, how do you help a player in that situation? You know, that's a soldier. He's gone down in the line of fire. Um, and, you, you know, if you are an empathetic human in any sort of way, it's very difficult to not look at a player that's done that to themselves and not think, shit, man, like, we should be helping them. But then I realise he is not actually a soldier. He doesn't earn £35,000 a year. He earns probably 90000 or so, I think it's 70000 a week. He earns a, a, good, a good wage packet. Like, he'll definitely have savings in the bank. Um, and then when you look at his numbers, though, it does appear to be like very consistent, like 26 appearances for a, a player of like his his relative youth. 26 appearances a season is like very suboptimal when you consider that Arsenal could play up to 65 games a season. So he's barely even hitting the halfway mark there. Then when you get into the goals, like this is a guy who was signed as uh, as a striker. I know that he's mostly um, played from wide positions. I know he mostly gets the the rough jobs where he's asked to be a battering ram of sorts. But uh, he's averaged 6.6 goals a season, which is shit. I mean, that's really that's really not where you need to be if you're earning big money. And if, if you are acting... I don't even think that if you're the best battering ram in the league, that that really accounts for much. So he's underperformed on the goals hugely. Um, the most goals he's ever got in a season um, was a couple of seasons ago when he had 10 goals in 43 appearances, which, again, it's not it's not Arsenal levels. It's not Adebayor in a bad season, really. So that's not good enough. But then you come to the, the moral dilemma. Like, what do you, what do, you do um, for a player? Like, he's, um, he's not going to have anybody to train with. Um, I doubt that he'll be fully repaired by the time his contract's up. So what did the club do? And so I was hunting around the internet to find examples of clubs that have looked after players. Now, one thing is um, true of Arsenal, particularly under the Wenger years, is a lot of ex-players have come back to Arsenal to get their fitness. So I'm sure that Arsenal will allow that. 
Like, um, I'm thinking back to players like Freddie Lundberg, Sol Campbell, Jens Lehmann, like even David Beckham back in the day used to train with us um, during the winter. So hopefully there's no problem there. And then I was thinking about um, like the contract offer. Like in the cold light of day, it's very difficult to be like, give somebody a sympathy 90 grand a week, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of obscene to think the... Uh, you know, the, the homeless people on the streets, like ex-soldiers, um, you know, sorry, veterans, uh, like slumming it out in the streets. And I'm sitting there worried about a footballer who's taken more money in the last year than most people um, will take in a combined lifetime of like 3,000 years. So I don't think he deserves a new deal. I don't think we'd want him to have a new deal if he was fit. But I just hope the club look after him. I know that we've got excellent medical facilities at Arsenal, brilliant doctors. Um, like I've met the medical team um, like through like official Arsenal days. Like they're very passionate about what they do. They, they care deeply about the people they look after. So you'd hope that they would look after him. And also like Danny Welbeck has a lot of the ingredients that you need in a striker. Um, like he's tall, he's fast, he's well built. Like he he finds the positions, and you wonder if he was the central point of a team like an Everton, like a Watford, whether he could find his scoring touch. I mean, he should be worth fifteen uh, fifteen goals a season, twenty a push. So he shouldn't have trouble finding new work. Uh, I mean, we haven't got enough information about the injury yet to see whether he's going to be okay. But, you know, good luck to Danny. Um, I did look at Barcelona, um, like with Eric Abidal. There were some stories about him not getting paid uh, when he was sick. There was also a very weird story about um, Barcelona buying him a liver on the black market. I don't know how true that is, but it was certainly interesting. But um, it's a very weird minefield. But hopefully players can afford insurance and life, in, you know, injury insurance or like workers comp or whatever it is. Um, but regardless, we wish him well. I hope we see him back early. I hope it's a clean break. I hope it's uh, uncomplicated to fix. Um, and, you know, he, he's for, for what it's worth, you know, he's always tried his hardest. He's always had a smile on his face and he's never complained. And I know that that's the least that you expect from your players, but you know, you only have to look around the Premier League to see that's not always the case. Anyway, I have droned on and on. I didn't think it was going to be this easy to just talk with nobody debating me. So I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm going to try and make this um, a weekly occurrence, even if um, I don't have any guests. Please let me know what you think. If it's total shite, obviously I won't do it again on my own, but hopefully we'll have some people coming on soon. Um, I've got uh, like a, a friend of mine coming on in a few weeks um, who works for the FA in sports science so that's going to be fun um so and hopefully we'll get some new guests on uh over the next couple of months as the season ramps up so thank you from me leave us a five star rating uh write a nice comment uh and i will see you next week goodbye Streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus, the new movie Marry Me in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. 
You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.